0: All right. Good morning once again, everybody. We're really glad that you're here uh, today. If it is your first time here, I want you to know uh, we don't do Q&A every single Sunday. That would be amazing, uh, but uh, it is a special day for uh, a variety of reasons, and uh, we will do the best that we can to get to uh, to all of your questions today. By, by the looks of it, we're not going to get to all of them, uh, I will tell you that. But um want to welcome you here, and if it is your first time here, again, we just want to say that we hope that you feel so uh, loved and welcomed in this place. Whether you're upstairs or downstairs, uh, it is really good uh, to have you here uh, as well. You pick the right service to come to because there's a place for you to sit. So turn to your neighbor and say, good job today. Good job. Tell them that right now. Good sure, job yes. coming to this service. Absolutely. Uh, we are we're really thankful for what God is doing around here. And uh, to me, the month of August means a couple things. Uh, one, that God continues to be on the move, as you saw on the way in. Uh, a bunch of school supplies uh, back there, Chris, I think for 150 backpacks we're going to fill. Uh, I, I, I think today. So. We, uh Yeah. The whole, the
1: whole right side that you see spilling into the lobby was yeah. not here yesterday. Wow. That's so awesome. That's, Praise that's God. Awesome. That is
0: really, really cool. What what are we doing with that today, Chris? We're gonna
1: yes. we're gonna organize those. Actually, after this service. So if you don't have plans immediately following this, and even if or you do even have even it, if you do, cancel them. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. We the many hands makes light work. So we're gonna organize the stuff and then put them into backpacks. It's as simple as that. Uh, something anybody of any any level of physical engagement can help with. So we would love to help your help and partner with us in that. Uh, yeah. It's going to benefit four different elementary schools across the uh, across our metro area. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to help set up kids to be successful in school. And so uh, yeah. praise God for the awesome things that you guys yeah. have done. Thank you so much for partnering yeah. with us.
0: So the, the a variety of reasons that we do uh, Q&A times for the message a couple times a year is that um, we... We run out of ideas. No. Uh, we uh, we want to be answering questions that you're actually asking. Yeah. We want to be a church that's speaking into things that truly matter, the things that you're thinking about. And so I will say this, although we're not going to get to all of these today, what we do is that all of us as pastors get together in the next couple weeks from all the different campuses that are doing this uh, today, and we kind of group these into themes. And we say, what did you hear a lot of? And what questions got asked? And uh, what we'll do is that we'll use then as we plan out uh, the, the the preaching calendar and the schedule and the topics and the things that we preach on so that we're speaking into things that you're that you're thinking about and that you're wrestling with uh, as well and I, and I will say this as well uh, one of the things I love about hope is that the most common church background of people that come to hope for the first time is no church background <laughs> uh, and because uh, our, our heart of our church is to reach people that don't know Jesus or don't have a church home that's why we exist as a church we're not here to shuffle the sheep and steal people uh, we're, we're all on the same team when it comes to other churches. But because of that, because well, there's a variety of people from different church backgrounds, some of you have had experiences with the church where questioning your faith or doubt having faith or struggling with your faith was, was shunned, was, was frowned upon, was shot down because somehow I, I'm not going to admit that I don't know or that I have struggles or that I have concerns uh, in, in my life uh, because that somehow means I have a weak Faith, and I think it's really important for us to remember that 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 doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. And constantly, Jesus is challenging his his followers to have faith. Is to have faith. He never says, uh, you know, don't ask any questions. Jesus opened, openly loved questions and welcomed those. And so we want you to know today that whether we get to your question or not, um, Mm -hmm. that questions are always welcome here. And you can always email us or call us, and and we are here to help you uh, wrestle with those questions. So we're going to do the best that we can. Uh, And uh, if we don't know, uh, we might just say... I don't know, and that is okay to hear from your pastors, because if you had a pastor or a leader that ever told you that they have all the answers, you should run away as fast as you can. Very fast. Uh, Very fast. Uh, We do not have all the answers, but we know the one who does, and so we're going to do the best that we can to point you back to God's Word, Mm -hmm. as well as if you're really into this, like if you like... I got 10 questions, but I didn't have time before the offering to to fill it all out. If you've got a bunch of questions, we have an entire class built around some of the bigger questions of life and faith. What is the meaning to life? Uh, Is there more to life than what I'm experiencing right now? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? How do I read the Bible? Who is the Holy Spirit? All these really big, important questions are covered in a course called Alpha that a lot of you have taken. And that class is being offered here again, uh, right here, right where you're sitting starting September 9th. And you can register for that as well so if you want more of this and you're getting started in your faith or you're getting restarted in your faith we'd encourage you to check out alpha so without further ado we'll jump right into it so
1: here we go I take was, it away Chris. i was going to try to be cheeky and yes. find one that i could answer with i don't know and i found yeah. one good uh, all right the here cheery first question here mm-hmm. you go are we living in the end times wow I don't know. We had to start off with a softball question
0: there. There it That's is. Good, good. yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know. There it is. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, I think one of the, the, the spirit of the question um, is, is that perhaps we need to know? Hmm. It's impossible to. When, whenever that occurs, whether that is now or like every, every generation before ours, um, going all the way back to, to the people who followed Jesus in person, we're all convinced that they were living in the end times. Um, and part of the reason is because there's a lot of, of hurt people. There's a lot of terrible things that go on in the world. So it, will all, it, it always feels like the world is ending. And um, the important thing that we can take heart in is that we don't need to know the answer to that question because yeah. we worship a God who they say will come like a thief in the night. We don't get to predict when Jesus is coming back, but instead we just get to sit back and relish in the fact that we worship a God who's got it regardless of when it happens. Yeah. So I would take it as a comfort, not as a as a, stra- as a strained question, uh, as a need to know thing, uh, but instead take it as a trust that man, isn't it great that we worship a God that we don't have to worry about what that, when that is. Yeah, yeah.
0: And if anybody ever tells you that they know when the end of the world is coming, you should also run away. No, don't have a nice conversation with them, but uh, Jesus himself says in Scripture, only my Father knows the time uh, that that is coming. So I would much rather live my life in light of how can we make heaven crowded Absolutely. and how can I share God's love with as many people as possible rather than being obsessed with when doom and gloom or the end times uh, are coming as we get that um a little twisted. So, man, you guys ask good questions. Okay. Uh what is your advice for someone who feels connected to God but disconnected from the church? They feel the church has become pop pomp and circumstance and less about helping others. Wow, that is a really good question. Um whether this is you, that's asking this question, that's had this experience, or whether you're asking for somebody else, let me just start out by saying, uh, we are so sorry that that has been your experience. Mm -hmm. It should not be that way, and yet at the same time, we know that there is no perfect church because churches are made up of broken, imperfect people. So if you are looking for a perfect church, this is not it. If you're looking for perfect pastors or perfect leaders, we are not them. Um, But I will say this. um, Sometimes followers of Jesus don't perfectly represent the God that we follow. Uh, I don't. You don't. And so uh, a lot of people struggle with the church because they say, maybe not you, but others that you've talked to or have tried to invite or say, well, I'm not going to come because the church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. And my response to that is, you're absolutely right. Come join us. Uh, uh, you're one of them. I'm one of them. Uh, we all are, and that's why we're here. Uh, the church is not a museum for saints; it's a hospital for sinners. Mm-hmm. That's why we exist. We we come and not because we deserve to be here, uh, not because we're perfect or be, we're trying to claim to be, but because we worship a God that takes broken, imperfect, weak people with limitations and somehow uses us and invites us to be a part of His plan. That's what the church is. Yeah. The church is not a museum. The church is not a show. It's not primarily a production. In fact, if you dig into Scripture, and we talk about this in our core class that's coming up as well, the church is not a building. The church is not a worship service. The church is not a denomination. The church is not defined by any of those things or what worship style we have. The church is not defined by who's up on stage or teaching. The church is us. We are the church. The church is people. And so there is not going to be a perfect church. The, the, The feel that the church has become more about pomp and circumstance. I would challenge you to look deeper than what's on the surface, and I would challenge you to open yourself up to God's love and to open yourself up to relationships. Mm-hmm. Any church is going to seem a little scary on the outside, and I've, I've had a lot of rela- or conversations with people that have said, John, I've been coming to Hope for a while, and you know, it just seems so big, and Hope is so big, and, 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 and unfriendly, and I can't get to know anybody, and I ask like, have you gotten involved? Have you joined uh, a life group, a men's, women's, or couples life group? Have you gotten involved in young adult ministry? Have you got your child involved in student ministry? Have you started serving uh, on a team? And they're like, well, no. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to feel connected when you're not connected. And that is a two-way, that was a mind-boggling statement, wasn't it? Uh, it getting connected is a two-way street. It requires us mm-hmm. to know other people and to be known. And to let ourselves uh, be opened up Mm -hmm. as well. So I would encourage you, look behind the scenes in everything that we do. Our desire as a church is to be real, is to be authentic in everything that we do. And so anything that we're saying or doing up here on the stage is hopefully the same thing that you're going to see in us on Wednesday afternoon Mm -hmm. uh, and with our families behind the scenes. We want to be a real, authentic church. And I I think too,
1: inherent in that question is the idea that... um, like worship style preference is also a piece of that. I know that pomp and circumstance um, at a lot of times that is something if, you know, this is Q and A, we're being honest, like a lot of times that's what people think of hope if they don't know hope. Oh, you guys are those big churches that have the big loud music and why do we need all that? And why do you need that? You know, and I, and I totally resonate with that. I understand, you know, not everything is always people's preference, right? Like not everything. I remember once um, I had not been involved with VBS before this year. And, I, was, and I, I thought to myself, really, they got to like rewrite the popular songs. And it's like the neon went up. And I was like, this is very overstimulating for a 27-year-old man. I can't even imagine. And anyway, this whole thing, I have those, some of these exact same questions that maybe you think of when you come to this church or a church like this for the first time. And you know what happened was I saw um, some kids come in, some sixth graders. And sixth graders are so much cooler than I ever will be, and I will. And sixth graders can smell a rat coming a thousand miles away. They can tell if something's not cool. Um, we our our teams that we have they're so awesome. They they did they have, they have dance moves that they do, and they started this song. The production value in these songs are so high. They started the song. They started this dance move, and I watched this group of girls just stop, in their tracks mesmerized by what was happening, and they had a fantastic time the rest of the time. And I thought to myself, that's why we do it. It wasn't my preference, but I realized that all of a sudden there's something that's happening for somebody else. So often the things that we do around here are really specifically chosen and tweaked and done or set a certain way uh, to reach a certain person. So I would just ask you if, if worship preference is part of this um, this inherent in this question, maybe consider, you know, why would they do something like that? Instead of, oh, I would do that differently, it's what are they accomplishing by doing it that way? Because so often um, it it's, has farther reaches than we, could, than we could ever imagine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, then the next question, um, how can we be sure we're understanding God's Word when so many people and groups interpret the Bible so differently? Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, it, it kind of begs the question, why are there so many different types of churches? Why are there so many different interpretations of the Bible? Mm. Luckily, because there are so many things we can get from Scripture, John and I can have more than like five sermons. <laughs> um, it's yeah. every time that we preach at Easter, it can be different. Um, there's, a, there's an old rabbinical saying, um, a uh, famous rabbi had this phrase that um, Scripture is like a gem or like a fine cut diamond, you turn it in the light and it reflects differently every time you look at it. And I think that's a beautiful image because the important thing is, not saying, you can, you can certainly get anything out of scripture if you look for it hard right. enough to reinforce your own, your own values and your own perspectives, but the challenge is to say, what, what can I actually learn from this? What challenges me? What challenges my worldview? What do I think God might have for me, and understanding that people say things a lot of different ways, and uh, I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing that indeed um, there are a lot of different interpretations, and I think that we can um, hold a lot of those side by side and and recognize there's sometimes it's a both and, not an either or.
0: Yeah, when you read scripture, if you are, if God never challenges you or convicts you or makes you feel uncomfortable, I would take a step back and ask yourself, am I reading scripture the way that I want to see it or for what it says? That it's not my agenda with God's name stamped upon it, with God's will stamped upon it. We can make it mean whatever we want to, so it's really important that we learn some tools for how to study that well. That's why we do Alpha. That's why we do the core class and things like that is because we'll give you some tools so you understand how to come and approach scripture, not just placing my own uh, uh, agenda uh, and assumptions on it, but make sure that the lens that I'm viewing it through is the lens that the original author intended, and that's really, really important uh, to do as well. God's word is meant to be handled with care, uh, and that's why we treat it with such reverence and dignity, because it's God's word, and we want to make sure that we're handling it uh, well. Um, Oh man, a lot of different places to go. Um, Why does it seem that good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people? I.e., cancer to a child, people starving, etc., I don't know. Should I elaborate? You can can? if you'd like to. Uh, I don't know. And anyone that tries to give you an answer to that, I would be very, very cautious Mm -hmm. with that. Um, Scripture tells us that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. Some of the most faithful, God-fearing people in Scripture had terrible lives. (laughs) and suffered immensely. So for us to draw a distinction Mm -hmm. to say that the more suffering or struggles in my life, that that means that God is somehow punishing me Mm -hmm. or that somehow I've done something wrong or that I'm far from God is an absolute lie. Yeah. But vice versa than that, some of us get this idea of we have the kind of relationship with God where it's like, I'll, I'll scratch your back, God, you, you scratch mine. Like, I, I come to worship every week, and I, and I pray, and I try to do nice things for people, God, so why aren't you blessing me with more good things? Okay, God's not a vending machine. He's not Santa Claus. He's God. And God wants a relationship. With you, And so there's a lot of false narratives that are out there, the lies and the stories that we tell ourselves, even that Jesus had to deal with in Scripture uh, as well. And Jesus was very quick to point out that it is not our sin, it is not our shortcomings that we can automatically assume, well, that brings something bad upon us or that bad bad people should have those things done to them. We, We live in an unfair, broken, messed up, sinful, dark world where this side of heaven we may not understand why things happen the way they do. However, what Jesus does tell us, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is nothing that this world will ever be able to throw at you that will change God's love for you, Mm -hmm. that would change the way he feels about you, that would remove God's presence from you. Romans 8 says that. Jesus says, I will be with you always. Jesus has taken the the things that this world could throw at us, namely the things we can't defeat on our own, like our own sin and our impending death, all of us, and he's kicked them to the curb once and for all. And through the power of the cross and his resurrection, there is nothing that you will experience in this life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Sickness, disease, illness, famine, anything you see on your Facebook feed, anything that's happening in our nation, in our government, overseas, anything, nothing is going to dethrone the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is on the throne and he will reign forever. And so it's really important that we don't try to make up answers Mm -hmm. to questions for which there are no answers for this side of heaven. We will know that. Mm -hmm. And people often ask, where is God in the midst of all of that? Where is God in the midst of suffering, and our pain right there, right in the middle of it, (laughs) right in the middle of whatever you're going through, Mm -hmm. weeping with you, walking in your shoes.
1: And I recognize too that uh, um, us giving an answer to a lot of these things, a lot of these, um, this isn't always the happiest, cheeriest, most fun, like like funniest (laughs) thing that we ever say from stage, because a lot of these questions are born out of a lot of pain. And I know that a lot of people, um, you might be looking at me, you might be somebody who wrote a question like this and say, well, John, well, Chris, that doesn't really help me. And absolutely it doesn't. Us sitting up here on stage saying to you, it's okay, God loves you, is, is not a solution to your problem. It does not make anything better for you right now in this moment. And I, I just wanted to recognize that because I think a lot of times people say church is cheap. You know, they're just trying to give surface answers. I'm not trying to give anybody a surface answer. Yeah. I think that it's really important. The, the thing that I would add to what, to what John already said is that uh, we had a question this last... Um, we had a question last hour that said, somebody just wrote on a card, infertility, why? Question mark. And I think that we can say, um, we can fill in that blank. Infertility, cancer, depression, anxiety, fill in the blank. There's a ton of things that we go through that we don't get to know. Like John said, I don't know why those things happen. Unfortunately, it's because we live in a world where bad things happen. We live in a bad world filled with really good people that a lot of bad things happen to. And that's the reality of it. But the important thing to remember is that that is not the end of your story. Cancer, infertility, depression, anxiety, bipolarism, all of these different things, that is not your label. That does not define you. There is a story beyond all of those things. So I just wanted to add that as well. That that's sure, and I wanna recognize that there are people throughout here that, that really struggle with a lot of those things. We, we had a question about mental health last, last hour as well. Regardless of what you struggle with, uh, please come and you should feel the right to belong here because you do, because you are so much more than the thing that is keeping you held um, yeah. from really giving yourself to this thing. So, yeah, I would just add that as well.
0: You got one or you want me to go?
1: Um, I, well, a bunch of them had to do with those specific things. Um, yeah. you, you can feel free. Go Okay, I'll go. go ahead. Um,
0: okay. <laughs> wow, you guys didn't spare anything here. Uh Okay. <laughs> Um,
1: John got all the hard cards. Yeah, I, I sorted of them before. How did that work? Yeah.
0: These are not yes no questions. Um, how, are we, how are we, there's a few that are along the same theme. How are we to respond to someone who is in a same sex relationship? Is it, is it different if it is a family member, if they profess to be a Christian? That's a really, really good question. Um, Let me say this, just to set the record straight and to say loud and clear. Every single person is welcome at Lutheran Church of Hope. Every single person. Amen? Amen. Every single person. Uh, We're called uh, to do that. Um, Number one, number one, my response, we are called as followers of Jesus to love everyone always. Everyone always. Even the people that you hate. Even the people that frustrate you, even the people that you disagree with, even the people that you go on rants about on Facebook. Jesus says, love everyone, always. The way that I have loved you, that is our number one call as a church, a witness to the world. And unfortunately, uh, and I don't know the the backstory to these questions, that's what makes it hard sometimes, is not knowing if uh, you're asking for yourself, if you're asking for a friend, um, or or somebody that you know. Um, I mean, just say this. Historically, the church, not just hope, but the church in general has not done a great job of that when it comes to the homosexual community, the LGBTQ community. Um, Unfortunately, many churches are known more for what they're against than what they're for. And we want to reverse that. Mm -hmm. We're for people. And we're for Jesus for people, ultimately. And what we do is that when we don't lead with love and end with love and sprinkle love Uh, in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our debates, in our arguments, in our preferences, when love is not the key ingredient in that, what we do is that we forfeit and we lose our witness to the world as a church, and we become known for what we're against and the people that we're against and the people made to feel outside and ostracized and judged uh, from the church. I mean, I I read a report uh, used in a sermon earlier this year, and one of the top three things that they interviewed thousands of non-believers. The top three things that Christians are known for as being hypocritical, judgmental, and usually uh, anti-gay is one of those. One of the things that I love about Lutheran Church of Hope is that we have many same gender couples and those that are in those relationships a part of our church, mm-hmm. and I, I love campus. that. I absolutely love that. And they're not here as projects. They're not here as, ooh, look at those people. Uh, they're here as members of our church uh, members of our community. And so we have to lead with love. And uh, secondly, uh, it's really important to remember, um, every single one of us is a sinner in need of a savior. All of us. Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And unfortunately, what's happened in our world and our culture is that certain sins, particularly sexual sins, are elevated to a certain level and then we don't talk about the sins of those that are heterosexual. We don't talk about lying and cheating and stealing and all the other things. And, and a lot of times gossip and, and, and adultery and lust and other forms, because we're just going to go after those people and we want to elevate their sin above another. God is concerned about our sexuality. God is absolutely concerned because we are made in his image and he created us. Uh, to live into his image. But we have to lead with love. We also have to have the posture of our heart that we're not out to get people, we're not out to fix people, we're not out to change people. We're here to love them. I've never seen anybody argued into a relationship with God. (laughs) Very rarely have I seen anybody argued or debated into changing their beliefs uh, or their lifestyle and the choices that they're making. Um, And so we lead with love. We recognize that the foot... Of the cross, the ground is level, that every single one of us uh, is a sinner in need of a savior, and that's why we're here. And number three, then, our teaching as a church has been consistent for almost 25 years, that we believe that uh, marriage is a sacred covenant that is reserved for a man and a woman. And here's the thing. By the time we get there, the hope is that we're in relationship with people. This is a really hard question to answer during a Q&A because what it deserves is a relationship. What it deserves is a conversation. Uh, What it deserves is getting to know people and walking alongside of them. That's our number one desire. Not to give you some, like, here's our social stance, deal with it. Uh, We don't do that in any other topic that we cover as a church uh, as well. And I will tell you this. There are those uh, that are in homosexual relationships that are a part of our church community that absolutely know what we teach and preach. And will continue to be. Yeah, and will continue to be. And Mm -hmm. we've had conversations with them, and I just kind of ask them, are you okay, and and are you going to be here? Like, why are you here, essentially, is what I ask them. And more often than not, and it just, more often than not, they say, because everywhere else we've gone, we have not been loved. But here, we feel loved. Absolutely know where we stand as a church, but that does not define who they are in Christ, and that does not define whether they are welcome in our community or not. So we will not change what we teach and preach, but we will absolutely not stop loving people and not just giving it lip service. Romans 12 says, don't just say you love people, really love them. And so I think the question for those of you that are heterosexual is to ask yourself, how can I love those that are homosexual? How can I truly love the LGBTQ community? And for that matter, how can I love Democrats if you're a Republican? <laughs> and how can I love Republicans if you're a Democrat? I mean, we've got people in this church that are left-wing, right-wing. we got the whole bird here, okay? And that's a really good thing, okay? We're united in Christ. And so the Jesus that unites us is stronger than the politics or the social statements or the sexuality that can divide us and our beliefs on that. We are united in Christ. Now, do we pray that all of us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our weaknesses, are challenged? and convicted? Absolutely. God's word does that. It just naturally does that. But love, love is what transforms the human heart. Love from start to finish. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Okay. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. So, no, see
1: no. ya. How am I going to follow that one? That's going to be good. Um, puppies, rainbows, anything puppies, in there? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Nothing real good. Okay. I'm just kidding. They're all really good, actually. Yep. Um, how do you encourage your preteen who does not really believe in God? And I, there were a couple of other questions to this, to this uh, effect of how do I encourage somebody who, um, uh, the question is essentially, I have experienced something here. How do I share this with somebody else in a way that's real and that communicates? Yeah. I think that's really hard because it's like, when you, um, one of my favorite authors says, uh, what you see, you can't unsee, what you taste, you can't untaste. And I think that it's really important to note that that's, that's the truth and things have changed for you and in you and you want to share that with other folks, but you don't want to be like one of those people that you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. that ambushes people in the parking lot or in the grocery <laughs> aisle or, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think the really important thing is to note that one, your actions, what you say or do not say has no ultimate bearing on the heart of the person that you're talking to. You cannot change save, transform, whatever verb you want to put around it. You can't do that for anybody else. It'd be really neat if you could. Yeah. And a lot of people really try really hard, but you can't change anybody else. God can change a lot of people. Mm. So if somebody is absolutely, I don't want to go to church, I want nothing to do with it, and I want nothing to do with you, pray for that person. Mm. We believe in the power of prayer here as a church. We, I hope it's evident that we believe to be a church of action. Yeah. Um, Thoughts and prayers are great, but sometimes you need action, so we want to act when we need to act. But we also are a church that really doesn't want to belittle the nature of prayer. Uh, we really do believe it changes things. And if you keep coming back with a sincere heart, are you trying to, are you trying to encourage somebody because of the life that you've encountered, or you're trying to um, get them some fire insurance? Those are, some much, those are two very different goals. I would encourage somebody to to enter into a relationship with God because you have experienced the goodness in your own life. And honestly, that shows... I think that that shows through, and I think that we as a church have tried to work really hard to um, reach people of all different demographics. Uh, my generation, I, you know, I'm 27 years old, uh, my generation uh, is the most unchurched generation that has ever existed, and a lot of people think that's a terrible thing, and I'm really excited about it because it means we're going to do a lot of things differently, and often... Um, And so we as a church are looking to try to do something about that. We're going to have, shameless plug for my own stuff, that's not the reason I say this. Um, We're going to start to have a service, uh, a young adult service for Revive every Tuesday night starting on the 11th of September at 7 p.m. every Tuesday, if that's your stage of life or even if it's not. Uh, we would encourage you to come on and stand alongside people my age and, and other, Absolutely. and just just to be here in the middle of the week. It would be great. Um, yeah. But having opportunities like that to say, this is a little bit different than Sunday. If yeah. Sunday is the hangup, we got plenty of things to introduce people to. Absolutely. Sometimes uh, I had somebody say, hey, Chris, I said last time I really have I've struggled with anxiety. They said, I have a daughter that struggles with anxiety. Can I give her your contact information? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes meeting a Christian who isn't crazy, or as crazy, I mean... not going to accomplish the task if they talk to me, but you know what I mean. Sometimes it just takes that that face-to-face interaction. So um, bringing people around true and loving community, that will show through regardless of how they feel about church.
0: Yeah. If you have a uh, a young adult or a teenager or an adolescent or a preteen or whatever you want to label them uh, in your life and church is just not their thing, take heart, it wasn't for me either. I'm a third-generation pastor's kid. Uh, And uh, there are seasons in people's lives where this could not be more uncool uh, to come here. However, I look back on that time in my life and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was working in my life and planting seeds that, that grew. And so regardless of what happens, your responsibility is to shine the light of Jesus Christ into any relationship that you're in. And if you have a teenager that's just like I don't I want nothing to do with the church or a child that doesn't want anything to do with church there are multiple programs that happen here throughout the week particularly our student ministry on Wednesday night and a brand new uh, outreach we're doing on Friday nights particularly for high school students that want nothing to do with Jesus or the church and we are creating a space and an atmosphere that is just for them so if you have questions about that ask us Ryan Tunick our student coordinators in the back we would love to talk with you more uh, about that yeah, absolutely. as well. Um, okay, here's a fun one. Uh, we love Jesus and we love hope. Great. No, that's what they wrote. Um, for the baptism at the river, do we need a class beforehand? I would like to get baptized and my children. Thank you for asking. Uh, shameless plug for next Sunday uh, this as is well. Not
1: This is not a plant. It's not a plant.
0: It's not my handwriting uh, (laughs) uh, on there. So uh, we, every year in August, uh, we do uh, baptisms at the river. So we go down to Raccoon River Park and have a shelter down there. And uh, we have a cookout uh, right after the 11 o'clock service starting at noon. Uh, And then that goes to about 1 at 1 o'clock. I do kind of a short baptism class down there. So if you've never been baptized before, you should do it it's awesome. I would encourage you to do that. For me, believing uh, in God and having faith in Jesus Christ and getting baptized are like peanut butter and jelly. You can do them separately, but why would you? Uh, just do them together. Uh, it, it's an outward expression of an inward reality. And so we would really encourage you to do that, whether it's you or your children. And so the class starts about one and then we'll start the baptisms around 1:45 or two. Every single person is welcome and you can
1: just show up uh, and be there. It, it'll be great. Yeah. So that's how. Great. Go team. Awesome. Uh, this is a good one. Um, I've never understood how Jesus was a Jew, and put in parentheses, uh, king of the Jews, but we are Christian. Like, why did we make Great a new question. thing? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, there's, that's a very solid question. Mm-hmm. So um, the little bit of history about it um, is that Jesus was a part of both a religious tradition, but also a, um, part of a people group called the Jews. It, the, um, a lot of Jewish folks, these days, it's, um, they're Jews all around the world. But in, in Jesus' time, and especially before, it was a specific like nation group of people. So to be able to say Jew was the same as being able to say Somalian. Like it's, it's, you know, the same as being at, the same as that I would say that, um, it was, it was an ethnic identity. So that's, that's a piece of it. So, um, and as Jesus lived and then died, um, part of the issue when Jesus died was there were certain people within the Jewish religious tradition that were really interested in continuing to hold on to the power that they had. So the, um, the hierarchy of the Jewish tradition at the time of Jesus's death, uh, basically had a deal worked out with the Roman Empire that they, as long as they kept the Romans where they were, they could have their power, the people at the top of the Jewish religious tradition. Jesus called that out. One of the things that Jesus was constantly calling into question was the power um, of the religious establishment, specifically of his own tradition, the Jews, and they really didn't like that, so they conspired with the, um, with the Roman Empire and Hence, Jesus was murdered and eventually came back and conquered death. The important thing to remember is that is not the same as the current Jewish religious tradition that exists. Um, I um, am friends with a rabbi in the area and have a lot of friends who are um, who are Jewish uh, ethnically, and that is their religious tradition. And... That is not the same thing. A lot of people, look, the the Jews killed Jesus, therefore we don't, like, no, 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 no. (laughs) no. That's anti-Semitism, we want to back away from that. And I think sometimes um, there are a lot of churches, or there are some some religious traditions would say that. To answer the question, that context is important. So to answer the question, Jesus was preaching something that was very different than what um, the, the rule of the day was. The Jewish tradition said, if you follow these rules, God will love you. This is the right way to live. You should follow it. And if you do these things, you will be in in line with God's love for you. If not, there are consequences. Jesus said, you no longer are bound to the way that you perform to this list of rules. Does that make sense? Instead of saying you have to check the boxes so that you're loved, Jesus said I actually don't care if you check the boxes. I'm going to love you anyway. Now does that mean we can do whatever we want and not be judged for it? Absolutely it does. But what we believe as a church is that if you learn that you're loved, and you learn that there's a certain way that God wants you to exist in the world and that God believes that that is the way that is going to give you the most life and the most flourishing, then we believe that that's going to change you. Once you learn that you're loved at your core, something happens to you and you want to love others. It just happens. That's the nature of love. And so all that's to say, um, with respect to the current Jewish tradition, that's not, it's not the same message. Um, and again, um, we come out of the same religious tradition, absolutely, but that's that's the reason why there's something different. It's a very different set of beliefs now and today. Yeah. Um, so again, um, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. Absolutely.
0: Best Jew there ever was. Absolutely. Um, how do you know it's the voice of God and not the devil <laughs> trying to trick you? That is a great question. Um, Very rarely have I met anyone that would just stand up and say, I am just nailing this whole prayer thing, this whole like hearing the voice of God uh, thing. Some people feel very, uh, they kind of beat themselves up as Christians because they feel like, well, people always talk about God told me this or God said this or I feel like God's telling me this. And they're like, I've never heard god either i i have never audibly heard the voice of god i i I didn't say you know hear god say you know wear 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 this shirt today or whatever it is i know i can normally do that here we go go to kudoba for lunch today you know i've never heard that uh voice of god uh god tells me that a lot that's right (laughs) (laughs) where was i again um (laughs) God speaks in a lot of different ways. And sometimes we limit God by saying, Well, I never heard from God because I've never heard the audible voice. God is always speaking, constantly. Mm -hmm. The question is are we listening? And I think sometimes we don't hear because our lives are so full and so noisy and so cluttered that we we just don't listen. God is always trying to get our attention and God speaks through a lot of different ways, primarily through his word. So to the question, how do you know if it's the voice of God and not the devil? Is what you're hearing consistent with the character of God that is in scripture? Wow. There's the heavens just opened up there. Yeah. (laughs) Here's Jed. Uh, is, Is what I'm hearing... Consistent with what God's Word says. If, I, if somebody came and told me, said, I, I heard from God and he told me to go rob a bank, I would say, well, let's talk about that, right? So we, got, we want to make sure that it lines up with God's Word. The other thing is to always ask, what is the fruit of it? If what you're hearing from God is condemnation and hate and guilt... And, uh, and beating you up consistently, that is not from your Heavenly Father. However, if you play it out and what you're hearing and the fruit of what you're hearing may be healthy conviction, which is different than condemnation. Conviction leads us to repentance and a new way of living and turning back to God rather than running away from God in our guilt. Play out the fruit. And what does that lead to? When you're learning to hear from God and hear the voice of God, number one, does it line up with God's word? Number two, have you brought it to a trusted Christian friend or a mentor or a pastor or somebody uh, that you trust? Does the, do the people around you agree with that? And ask them to pray with you and to intercede for you. Yeah. And because the Spirit, God is a God of unity, the Spirit is going to speak. The same thing to you that he is to other people. And you're going to line that up and say, are we, are we hearing conflicting things? Or are we hearing consistent yeah. things? Uh, hearing the voice of God is something that we grow in. It's not something that we ever master. And so I would really encourage you to not try to discern God's will alone. Yeah. That's why we have others. That's why we have community. That's why we have, uh, God's word. Um, as well. Um, go ahead.
1: There, there was a, uh, I read from an author once um, it was, it's an old, it's actually an old rabbinical saying, it said perhaps the bush had always been burning, Moses was just the first one to stop and take notice. I'm not saying that's historically correct, but what I'm saying is, is that a lot of times we want, to he- we want to hear something specific from God while we're knocking on a certain door, maybe the invitation is to instead look and say, What's there in front of me? Where is there a burning bush in your life? Because sometimes maybe God's speaking. He's just not speaking the message that you're dying to hear. And one way to determine that is, um, is it for something or is it against something? You don't have to be against anything, against, fighting against something if you're really for something else. Those things that are false are going to fall away if you're pursuing the truth of God. If you're for love and for wholeness and for community and for the word of God, you don't have to be against anything because the truth will stand up against it all.
0: Let's end with this one uh, today. And again, we apologize that we didn't get to all of these, but we will read all of them and we will get back to you in one way or another. I'll just end with this one. Um, How can you find faith in God if you don't know what you believe in? The many reasons that I chose that one. um, Chances are there are many of you that walk in these doors every single week that really don't know where to turn. And you feel far away from God and you don't know how to take those first steps of faith. Please hear me say this. The reason we exist as a church is for people like you, maybe, that wrote that, that are feeling so far away from God. The, I, the, I, the reason we're pastors, <laughs> the reason we do what we do, the reason we exist as a church is for people that feel far away from God. We want to be a church for people that don't like church. We want to be a church that doesn't point you to us, that points you to Jesus. And I would, I would dare you and I would challenge you to take God up on his word that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Do you want to know? Do you want to find that faith? It's there. And I would say even more important than you finding Jesus is the fact that he's already found you. And way more important than even you accepting him into your heart is the fact that Jesus has already accepted you. And he's found you. And he knows exactly what's going on in your life today, whatever it is that you're up against. Anything that we've talked about and the things that you didn't write down on a card because you were too afraid to. He knows exactly where you're at. And whether you believe in him or not today, he believes in you. He loves you. And he's offering you life. And all we have to do is receive the gift. Christianity is not easy to live out, but its truths are very, very simple. There is a God who loves you, so much so that he gave his life for you on the cross and rose again so that you could experience life here and now. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've had a bad experience with Christianity. That's why we exist, is to point you to the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if you seek with all your heart, you will find, and you will find that if you feel far away from God, he hasn't moved. He is right there next to you today. Amen? Amen. So let's not just talk about it. Let's sing about God's love. Let's stand and let's close and worship together.